Hari Maha this week to speak in humility and grace, but when I got into it, I can't get beyond humility. So before I speak, I'm just going to lie down before my God, my Savior and my Lord. If you want to join me, kneel humble your heart, whatever. You do what you like, but just for about a minute, I just want to lie my face before God. I am humbling myself. I don't have to do this. I am choosing to humble myself before my God, okay? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. God created men and women. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Without Him, nothing was created that without Him. In the beginning. In the beginning. Where were we in the beginning? We weren't there in the beginning, but in the beginning, God. God always has been he always will be. Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Out of His great grace and love and mercy, God created us, brothers and sisters. We are created for the pleasure of the Creator. He is the Sovereign Lord God Almighty. He created the the galaxies, the stars. He created this earth. He created all the planets. He is the creator God, and we are the created. He is the potter. We are the clay. We only have life because of the life that he gives us. Without him, we have no life, and this life we find in Jesus Christ. In Christ is life and life abundantly. We are nothing and have nothing, of any significance to the kingdom without Jesus Christ the one who is the way the truth and the life and there's no way to father God except through Jesus Christ we are the created we can do nothing absolutely nothing that represents the kingdom of God without him We need Him. 
We were created to depend upon Him, not to be independent from Him. Mankind is going his own way. If we can just get enough knowledge, we will be like God. The foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of man. The answer to this world is Jesus Christ. The answer to your life and my life is Jesus Christ. In that final day, all things are going to be summed up in Christ. Everything will be summed up in Christ. And because we have the wonderful privilege of being God's sons and daughters, we are going to rule and reign with Christ forever and ever. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. This isn't something we brought about. This was God's plan before the very beginning of time. God, the Creator God, who is also our loving Father, planned these things way back in eternity. Way back in eternity. The eternal redemption covenant when God asked His Son to come to earth to die for you and for me. Bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Washed clean given a new life, a new hope, a new future, a heavenly passport. What does God expect of us? As the prophet Micah says, to walk humbly before our God. Because we're a people who know our place. By knowing who He is, we discover who we are. Our God is the only true and living God. Jesus Christ truly is Lord. And the day will come when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, that day will come because it is written. That day will come. You know, I believe God has great things for us. much greater than we've ever experienced. But to enter into the fullness of these things, we need to walk humbly before Him. It's so easy in our humanity to become proud. It seems to be something we all struggle with at one time or another. Being proud or self-righteous. Sometimes I struggle with that in my heart. Do you? There's something about it. We always think we know best or sometimes we know better than God. Well, to walk humbly before Him is to acknowledge that God always knows best. 
And that because he's a loving father, he always wants what is best for us. What a wonderful God we serve. He is the creator. We are the created. He's the potter. We are the clay. He's the father. We are the sons and daughters. And God has a future and a hope and a glorious destiny for each and every one of us. And to enter into that, what we need to do is to walk humbly before him and receive more of his amazing grace. I'm now going to walk my way through some of the things I've got written down here. you 15 minutes to bring you 20,000 words <laughs> humanly this is impossible unless I speak very very quickly I'm sure if I just spoke a couple of sentences in tongues God could impart it all to your spirit just like that wouldn't that make life easier for us <laughs> Praise God. I love when God does things like that. That's humbling yourself before God, actually. Trusting for something to flow. Well, as I said, I believe that, you know, this week I was going to speak on humility and grace. And I didn't get any further in humility. But I believe as I've thought about this and prayed about this, this week of prayer and fasting, that humility and grace are the two bookends. Now this Sunday, humility, next Sunday we need to hear about grace. When we met as elders on uh, Monday night, some of these things came up. This is just a bit of a quick overview of some of the things that came up. The glory is here. Do you believe that, by the way? See, I'm not waiting for revival. I'm being revived. See, the presence of God is here. I'm not praying. I want more of the presence, yes. But the presence is here. The glory is here. And the glory is in here. Is it in you? Good. John Arnott said a few years ago, we're not out of revival till we say we're out of it. I am being revived. You see, the problem is you get preconceived ideas what revival looks like but as far as I'm concerned I'm being revived now there's more to come but I'm in a river that's flowing into the sea I'm not waiting to get into the river I'm in that river that's flowing into the sea of mankind someone else that came up we need intimacy and presence that's what we need with God intimacy and presence isn't it all of us need that yes we love the word but we also need his presence Psalm 131, we need humility before God. Actually, there was a couple of other verses, a couple of other versions I just looked up about this. And it's interesting just to hear these words. In the, uh, the English Revived Version, says this, Lord, I don't feel proud. I don't see myself as better than others. I am not thinking about doing great things or reaching impossible goals. No, right now I'm calming quiet like a child after nursing content in his mother's arms. When you see this in the message, 
You mean if the message is a bit kind of... There was a problem I can't give you them, but it's good. Read that in the message, Psalm 131. The other thing was a picture of a canal gate and a canal lock. You ever seen canals? You know, one end, it was as if God had opened his gate and poured the water in. We need now to open our gate and let the water out. Otherwise, it just stays between the two gates, doesn't it? See, the glory comes in, the glory's also got to go out. It's not meant to stay between the two gates. So if the glory is here and the glory's been poured in, we have the responsibility to open up our gate and let the water out, don't we? So open up your canal gate, or your canal lock, and let the glory out. There was a picture of some bridges. People going across, taking God's grace to others, and that got developed a bit more on, on Wednesday morning. It seemed like there were two-way bridges, and it became clear that actually these bridges were bridges of grace. So God wants to give us bridges of grace this year to connect with people. And we had testimonies about five or six different people that people had just got connected with over the last few weeks. And these people are in desperate need of God. And just through His grace, God has brought a connection with Christians. Amazing. So there may be more of that this year. Please expect it. Bridges of grace. Us taking the presence and the grace of God to people, but people finding us and discovering the grace of God. Because that's what people need to find us, is the grace and love of God, not judgment. If we judge people, we're just being proud. We're forgetting where we came from. That's why I've still got a couple of tattoos in my legs. Reminds me where I've come from. Some of you have seen them, some of you haven't. If you want to see them, pay me the money and I'll show you. doesn't do us any harm to have something that reminds us where we've come from. So, bridges of grace. There's someone else this year as well. As most you know, Alice and I have moved house. We've moved from a, a three-bed detached with double garage and large garden into a bungalow with a shed. <laughs> There's enough room for one of us to stand up in each room. Now, that's different. This is completely different to what we've been used to before. Completely different. We've got a brand new telephone number. Begins 555. I don't believe that's coincidence. Five is the biblical number for grace. 555 is fullness of grace because you can't get more than three. When you get holy, 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 that's the fullness of holiness. You can't get any more holy than holy, holy, holy. You can't get any more worthy than worthy, worthy, worthy. You can't get any more grace than grace, grace, grace. So that speaks to me prophetically of fullness of grace. So I believe things are going to be different this year. There's going to be a fullness of grace, yet some things are going to be the same. So I think we're going to have a mixture of some things that are the same, but some things that are completely different. What's that program you said on the television? You should say, now for something completely different. Monty Python. Who is watching Monty Python? That's terrible. <laughs> Repent. <laughs> Repent. That's terrible. Hang on, I've only got ten minutes left. Shush, shush, shush. So I believe some things will be the same this year. Some will be completely different. But as we humble ourselves, we're going to know a greater measure of the fullness of the grace of God. All of us. But the key is walking humbly before Him. 
Some verses from the Bible, one of them I just quoted earlier, Micah 6, 8. This is one of Alison's favorite scriptures, actually. God, O oh man, has shown you what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. James 4, 6. James resists, no James, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James, is there James that resists the proud here? You're a godly man. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And this one I love, Numbers 12, 3. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. I don't know if you know, but Moses wrote that. Isn't that great? I love that. That's what I call making a sober assessment. <laughs> Moses write about that about himself. Would you write, write that about yourself? That's great, isn't it? See, after his 40 years in Egypt and all the learning and the wealth of the Egyptians, after 40 years in the wilderness, he didn't even want to go. God, I can't do anything. He was in that place of humility so God could use him. Jesus, Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you, upon you, and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Humility does bring a rest. It does bring a rest. Pride creates unrest. Pride and selfish ambition just screws us up. But a true godly humility brings a rest to our souls. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. It's always wise for us to humble ourselves before God so that we do it and God doesn't do it. See, sometimes if we don't humble ourselves, God has got ways of making us humble. It's much better to do it ourselves. Much better. So what is humility? Seven minutes, man. Wow. Well, it's not being a wimp. Okay? Whether that's a male or a female wimp, it doesn't mean you're going to be a wimp, moaning, grumbling, groveling, continually saying you're no good, you're a failure, and I can never do anything right. That is not biblical humility. I mean, Selwyn Hughes tells this story about this person playing the piano. You probably heard it. And you went off afterwards and said, that was absolutely fantastic. Thank you for doing that. He said, no, it was all God, thank you. He said, no, I just want to thank you for playing the piano. He said, no, no, that was all God, thank you. He said, look, it wasn't perfect. <laughs> See, God uses us. It's us and God working together. You know, when was the last time God did you garden on his own? When was the last time God did your garden on his own? For those who are hardly hearing. It's us and God together, isn't it? So it's not being a wimp. It is recognizing it, <laughs> which happened earlier, God is the creator, we are the created. Brothers and sisters, we don't even have a right to live. There's no existence without God. If God wasn't loving and gracious, he could pull his plug in this world tomorrow. He could do it today. But he doesn't. 
because of his great love for mankind. He is the creator God and we are the created. Understanding that is humility. Recognizing our complete inability to save ourselves. That's the thing about humanism. If we can just get enough knowledge, or if we work hard enough or whatever it is, no, no. Jesus came and paid the price because we couldn't save ourselves. That's why we need a savior with a big S. It's accepting God's grace and mercy with gratitude. Are you thankful for your salvation? Am I thankful for my salvation? Because we should be every day of the week, we should always be thankful for our salvation. If you don't like it, why not ask God to take it back? There's a thought for you. You see, sometimes we grumble and we moan to God instead of being thankful for the very fact He saved us. We should have an attitude of gratitude because of what God has done for us. Because we don't deserve any of it. When we understand that, that's humility. It's the heart attitude of being poor in spirit for ours of the kingdom of heaven. It's the heart attitude. It's when we submit to and obey the word of God because we know that God always knows best. It does. You see, God and his word is truth. Truth is eternal. Truth is an absolute. And that's not what the world tells us today. They, tell, they try to say that my truth is just as important as your truth. No, truth is found in a person, Jesus Christ. Truth is an absolute and it's eternal. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The word of God is true and his word is eternal. Therefore, we should humble ourselves under the word of God. God exalts his word above his name. That's amazing. That's amazing that God would exalt his word above his name. God's word is more solid than this ground I'm stood upon or you sat upon. We can trust the word of God. So when we submit to and obey the word of God, we walk in humility. It's defending the truth of God's word and not our own ego or reputation. What are we most concerned about? The truth of God's word sometimes or our reputation or our ego. I think sometimes we're more concerned about our reputation than the truth of God's word. Being humble before God but bold before many women. That's what Moses was. He was humble before God, bold before many women. Bob Gordon says, walking tall on our knees. I love that phrase. I love to walk tall in my knees. I will walk humbly before my God in his presence, acknowledge who he is, but I'm prepared to come up here and be bold before you. But I wouldn't do it, and I couldn't do it in the natural. It's only out of my relationship with him and the gifts and the grace he's given me. Otherwise, I couldn't do any of this stuff. I am just so inadequate. I'm inadequate. I live at my point of inadequacy. I need his adequacy, which is his grace. I need it. Some of you may not need it, but I need it. 
Without God, I am nothing. Absolutely nothing. But with him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> Three minutes, this is hard. Now the Apostle Paul, he did great gifts in Revelation, but he still saw himself as the least of the apostles and the chief of sinners. Paul knew God. And the funny thing is this, the closer we get to God, the more we know our place. Now there's something in me, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, because in my early Christian years, I was brought up a lot in the sovereignty of God. I always had this thing in my spirit, God is the sovereign Lord God Almighty. I always carry that in my spirit. It's just there's something in there for me. But for those who don't carry that, the closer we get to God, that can be imparted to you. Because when we know that God is sovereign, we know our place. We know our place. And sometimes we need to know our place, don't we? I'm not talking about having our gifts. I'm not talking about ministries or our gifts here. I'm talking about knowing our place in creation knowing our, our place in God's great plans and purposes, how it all fits together, God in us in the earth, how the whole thing is going to be redeemed and we're going to be part of it, knowing our place, that He is the Creator and without Him we can do nothing. I'm talking about knowing our place. See, when we know our place, we end up with a great big God who's everywhere and we're just like that. And this great big God who's everywhere loves this little dot with eternal, unconditional love and will never stop loving us. Isn't that wonderful? See, if we don't walk humbly before God, recognizing that sometimes we get bigger than God and we actually think we know better than God. It's knowing in our flesh we're inadequate, but at the same time knowing it's who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ, sons and daughters, much loved sons and daughters of God. That's who we are in Christ. But in the flesh, <laughs> see a humble person, a weak person, but a strong person who loves and serves God and others. Being humble isn't being weak. Jesus was humble, he wasn't weak. Moses was humble, he wasn't weak. Humble people are not weak people. Humble people are strong people because they know their place before God. Did you know faith is humility? Some people think faith is arrogance. No, faith is humility. Because I like Proverbs 3, 5, where it says, it, and it's my definition of faith, Proverbs 3, 5. It's trusting in God with all our heart and not leaning into our own understanding. That's humility. That's trusting in God and His Word again. And when my mind is screaming out something else and my body is screaming out something else, when I choose to trust in God and His Word, I am humbling myself under God and His Word. That's what I'm doing. Faith is humility. That's what it is. It's not arrogance. It's humility. True biblical faith is humility. Because it's deciding to trust God in His Word. No matter what you personally think or what you personally feel, you're still putting your trust in Him. Now that's humility. Humility. 
It's making a sober assessment of who we are. We need to make a sober assessment. You see, I've got weaknesses as well as strengths. I know that surprised some of you, but I've got weaknesses as well as strengths. I'm not asking my wife's opinion in this matter, but I know I've got weaknesses as well as strengths. That's making a sober assessment. Have you ever heard sportsmen, when they've been interviewed after a particular tennis match or football, whatever it is, they're very, very good at making sober assessments. They say the things they did right, but they also say the things they did wrong. Have you ever heard them? They're very good at making sober assessments. Or they say, oh, that other player, it was just too good for me in the day because I did this, this, and this. They make sober assessments. And we need to learn to make sober assessments. The problem that we have in British, uh, because we're British and within our own culture, we tend to put ourselves down and we want to list all our weaknesses, but we don't want to put down our strengths. Now we need to make sober assessments. God has given us all strengths and weaknesses. That's humility when we make a sober assessment. We know what we're called to do. We know what we're not called to do. My gift is pastoral and prophetic. I am not gifted as a whatever it is. I'm, I'm not an apostle. I'm not an evangelist. I can be evangelist. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not an administrator. There's lots of things I know I'm not. But I know what I am. I make a sober assessment. I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. That's making a sober assessment. That's being humble. So can we stand, please? I'll beat the kids. We see you're late. <laughs> you're late. Father. <laughs> Father. Would you help us individually in corporate Kingdom Life Church to be a people who know our place? Lord, we don't get caught up with any kind of false humility that looks religious. But God, we have a, a true humility before you. We walk tall upon our knees. That we recognize you, the sovereign Lord God Almighty, the creator of all things, as well as our loving Father. Lord, that we know that in the flesh we can't do anything of ourselves that will produce fruit in the kingdom. But as sons and daughters of God... And the things you've called to do as in Christ, called us to do in Christ, we can do great things for you. Lord, as we head into this week of prayer and fasting, may each and every one of us humble ourselves before you in a new way. And Lord, as we do that, as we humble ourselves, I ask that you would exalt each and every one of us in due time into the things that you have called us to do. Please do that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. The kids are coming in. Up.